This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Go to GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Friday, February 11th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. There's a new leader in vehicle dependability, according to J.D. Power. More on that later. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. We'll begin with the ongoing blockade of the U.S.-Canadian border. Protesters continue to disrupt traffic across the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor, Ontario. The International Crossing is a major trade route that connects Canada to Detroit. The issue has continued to hurt auto production on both sides of the border. Toyota has suspended output at plants in Ontario and Kentucky through Saturday due to parts shortages related to the protest. The issue impacting output of popular models, including the RAV4, Camry, Avalon, Lexus RX, and Lexus ES. Honda says it will idle output from one production line today at its assembly plant in Alliston, Ontario. The automaker described the situation as fluid, but added that it has no plans to idle production at any of its U.S. factories. Ford is looking at flying some parts to a plant in Windsor that produces engines for some popular models. The move comes as the automaker's factories in Windsor and Oakville, Ontario, will run at reduced capacity today. And General Motors halted output at its Lansing Delta Township assembly plant in Michigan on Thursday. Workers there build the Buick Enclave and Chevrolet Traverse crossovers. Meanwhile, officials on both sides of the border are urging an end to the protest. Windsor's mayor says the demonstration is a leaderless movement, and the protesters have a variety of aims, including ending vaccine mandates. The city is seeking a court injunction to stop the blockade. A hearing is set for noon Eastern today. As the situation unfolds, follow our live coverage at autonews.com. Meanwhile, in the U.S. battle against the pandemic, several Democratic governors are lifting mask mandates, including Nevada's Steve Sisolak. As a result, the NADA show in Las Vegas next month will not require attendees to be masked as a precaution against COVID-19. NADA is reviving an in-person event this year after a virtual show in 2021. In product news, Mercedes-Benz has decided to stop selling its A-Class compact sedan in the U.S. after the 2022 model year. This is because of falling demand for passenger cars and shifting corporate priorities. The sedan was launched in the U.S. in 2019 with the intent to attract younger buyers. It sold less than 18,000 that year and fewer each year since. Stateside, Ford is reportedly stepping up plans to electrify its Lincoln brand in North America. Sources telling Reuters that the automaker is preparing to introduce at least five new battery-powered Lincoln vehicles through 2026. Included are battery electric models that will replace or supplement the Corsair, Nautilus, and Aviator crossovers, along with the Navigator SUV. The move would be a significant acceleration in Lincoln's EV strategy. Last year, the brand said it planned to introduce four EVs by 2030. And in personnel news, Ford has hired former Tesla engineering director Alan Clark. The 12-year Tesla veteran joined Ford last month in advanced EV development that, according to Clark's LinkedIn profile, maybe he's working on all those new electric Lincolns. 
The move follows Ford's hiring of Doug Field, a former Tesla engineer and head of Apple's car program. Meanwhile, GM has hired Missy Owens as its director of environment, sustainability, and governance policy. Owens is a former senior official in the Obama administration, and her uncle is President Joe Biden. And that's the news you need to know. Which brands and models hold up the best after three years on the road? We'll check out J.D. Power's latest study after this. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. If you still think of Korean autos as bargain brands, you need to get over that. Korean brands dominated J.D. Power's closely watched study of vehicle reliability over the first three years of ownership, accounting for three of the top four spots in the study. Kia, for the first time, topped all brands in the dependability study. That's up from third a year ago. Hyundai placed third and Genesis came in fourth this year. General Motors' Buick brand climbed into second after tying for the fifth spot last year. Among the Detroit Three, the Ford and GMC brands rose above the industry average, but Ram tumbled. The study was redesigned this year to include additional tech-focused inputs, such as software updates. To take us deeper into the results, I reached David Amadeo, J.D. Power's Director of Global Automotive. He's in Los Angeles. David Amadeo, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. Let's start right at the top with the uh, Korean brands, Kia, Hyundai, and Genesis, all ranked in the top four. Of course, we've seen Kia and Hyundai really rehabilitate their images, relentlessly eliminating errors and dramatically improving new vehicle quality. But what does it say for them to now rank so highly on dependability? They have a relentless drive and a relentless focus on quality, dependability, making sure that the vehicles are holding up over a longer period of time. Uh, there certainly wasn't an area in the past where they were as strong. They were strong in initial quality and then durability took a little bit longer to come online, but now they've they figured that out and they're just relentless with it. And you see that in the results. Was it surprising for the Genesis brand to be the top ranked uh, luxury line? Is it, since, since it's such a new line, I don't, was that a surprise to you at all? 
To me, it wasn't. Uh, maybe for this year, it, it was a bit of a surprise, but I think given how the co corporation does overall, how Kia does, how Hyundai does, I think they were going to apply that same philosophy to Genesis. And eventually they would have been uh, up at the top. I know Hyundai uh, Motor Group won't stop until they're at the top of every segment and every rank chart. So <laughs> I think it was just inevitable before they were there. Aren't there also a lot of mechanical similarities between the Genesis models and the, and the Hyundai models that would allow them to transfer those learnings from, from one brand to another? Absolutely. And when I think back over my life and when I started following the auto industry when I was a, a teenager, uh, I, I remember hearing all of these things about platforms and about how different manufacturers have different platforms and there's so many of them. And if you can reduce the number of platforms, it's going to be more efficient. You're going to get more scale. And it's not so much about platforms today, but about those shared components that don't make a difference to the consumer. You know, we often hear about things like air conditioning systems. It's like nobody's, as long as it works, nobody's going to know or necessarily care how the underlying system is functioning or what it is, or if it's shared with this vehicle or that vehicle, but your interaction with it is gonna change and you're gonna expect different things in one vehicle versus another. So as long as you can craft something different to appeal to a different market, to a different segment that's built on a, a core set of technologies and features that you can spread across and and really refine them and do them really well, you're, you're going to win. So comparing again with IQS and thinking about, you know, brands on the move, uh, you know, in recent years, we've seen the former Chrysler brands, especially Dodge and Ram, really move up and take the top spots. Uh, this year, Dodge improved quite a bit on vehicle dependability, breaking into the top half, uh, but Ram really slipped from the middle of the pack to near the bottom. What happened there? There has long been this understanding that whether it's IQS or, or VDS, so whether it's 90 days or three years, launch vehicles typically don't have as high a quality, they have more problems than carryover vehicles. And so if a brand launches a lot of new product in a given year, it, it sets them up to slip in ranks. Now, that's not a hard and fast rule. There are exceptions. We have seen plenty of launch vehicles over the years that have uh, been tops of their segments. But typically, when you launch, you have more problems than when you don't. And for a brand like Ram, they had more launch vehicles this year, you know, and, and Dodge had, had more carryover vehicles. In the, so from three years ago, that was really when the, when the new Ram came out. And even though it was, was good, it had maybe a, some bugs to be worked out? Correct. Gotcha. So looking at the category winners, one thing really jumped out to me was Lexus taking three of the SUV crossover categories with its NX, RX, and UX. Given the popularity of, well, two of those categories, what do you make of Lexus's performance? Toyota, another one, you know, Toyota Motor Corporation, of which Lexus is a part of, and certainly Lexus, going back to their 30 plus years, over their 30 plus years in the, in the US, 
you know, they've had a relentless focus on quality and making sure that everything is screwed together really well and that it's, it lasts a long time. And that's still there. Uh, like a lot of manufacturers, some of the new technology can trip them up. Uh, it's happened to a variety of, of manufacturers over time. But as you get better with it, as you refine it, as you work the bugs out of it, you just see these manufacturers climb in the rankings and you see that with Lexus. I'm sure a lot of uh, gray beards like me, you know, still think of Honda and Acura as these uh, reliable brands. Honda, Honda and Toyota really rose to prominence in America in the previous century, you know, with their durability and their quality. And gosh, now, you know, you look at it and Honda and Acura are both really laggards. What, what has happened there? Have they taken their eye off the ball? Their eye is still on the ball. The game has changed a little bit. And, you know, what they exceed, have historically done really well with and, and exceeded with, they still do pretty well. Uh, but now you have an environment with a lot more competition than there was. I mean, we were saying 30 years ago that there was a lot of competition and there's even more today. It's relentless, it's faster. You need to keep including features into the vehicle to keep pace. And you see something like these driver assistance systems or more of the infotainment features that customers are just demanding. You need to include them on your vehicle in order to make the sale or to, to conquest somebody from a different brand. And again, there's that learning experience that comes with that. And sometimes it just takes a little bit more time in order to work all the bugs out and, and drive the quality up to a point where customers are really happy with it. Well, certainly we talked about the Koreans uh, earlier and, and those you know, were new entries that weren't around in this market when Toyota and Honda first came and, and have proven to be formidable uh, rivals. Another new entry is Tesla. And I couldn't help but notice that Tesla was not listed in the dependability study. Why was that? And do you have any sense of how the brand is doing? So we struggle with Tesla because they don't give us access to certain states, uh, California being one of them. There's other high volume states for them, high sales states for them that they don't allow us to to have access to. So it poses a bit of a problem with getting some sample uh, in order to include them. And that was just the case this year that we just didn't get enough in order for them to show up on the rank chart. I know we did last year, but unfortunately this year we didn't, but I'm pretty confident that they'll be back uh, next year and we'll see how they do then. Based on the limited answers that you that you did get, do you have a sense, are they improving? Are they average or is it just too hard to tell? They're about where they were last year. Um, it's, it's hard to say because there really isn't enough sample to draw a definitive conclusion. You know, we don't like talking about small sample vehicles uh, or small sample brands because we just don't have enough. Uh, but, you know, with a redesigned study and hopefully next year with a lot more sample, we'll really be able to see how they're performing now. Well, when you do, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again. Thank you, David. Thank you. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. We'll be off for the weekend. Hope to see you Monday. When you need the latest news on anything happening in the auto industry, even over the weekend, 
type in autonews.com. Thanks to Jack Hallauer for editing today's show. Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvan for their support. And thanks to you for listening. Have a great weekend. Until next time, when we get back to work. <laughs>